it's going to be. The key is to talk into the microphone on all podcasts. Um, Blake, if, oh, hey, everybody, welcome back to the 3 of 7 podcast. If you're watching on YouTube, you might get the, the back of Blake's head in the video every now and then. We've got a full studio today. A full studio. Y'all got a system worked out over there? I guess. Oh, yeah. Uh, so, Blake and Chili. We might do handheld Chili on this. Yeah, you guys should just do it. No, no, no. Thank you for joining. No, but, <laughs> yeah, let's just do this. We'll just steal the show here. Blake and Chili are working. <laughs> you, you keep that mic, Chili. You probably, you have better things to say than Blake has usually. Oh, thanks. Uh, they're sharing a mic. We've got Tig and Angela. Ange, I almost called her Ange, but her full name is Angela. On the podcast today, <laughs> welcome to the 3-7 Podcast, guys. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for having us. How's it feel to be in the studio? It's, uh, it's a little nerve-wracking. <laughs> <laughs> they were sweating it last night. Yeah. Um, I asked Tig earlier, I said, have you ever been on a podcast before? And he said, no. I said, <laughs> well, you picked a good one to come on for your first That's one. That's right. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I tell you, I've got some office work to do. That text last night was rough, wasn't it, Chili? Well, you've got some, you've got some physical work to do too. You've got to clean up a lot of shortcomings around here. Tell the people, uh, all right, tell the people about our run yesterday. Well, as usual, I think you'd be better to tell it because because I tell the truth. No, I tell the truth, but you you tell the more funny story. Because you lie and act like it was going better than it was. I mean, let me just go ahead and tell you. We ran yesterday. It wasn't a long run for me, but it was a long run for Chad. It legitimately made me cringe to watch how weak he is. <laughs> I mean, we get about 18 miles in. No, let me, let me just tell it from the beginning, okay? We both decide we need to do a long run today. And that'd be good if we ran it together. Tuesdays are our long run days now. Are you okay with that, by the way, Blake? Just <laughs> shake your head yes or no. Tuesdays, we're going to be running the whole day. Just, sh just shake your head yes or no. I mean, if you'll get your dang work done in here, then go do what you want. But, I mean, we got a business to run. Hey, we're runners, okay? Yeah. Somebody's yeah. got to win some dang races around here, <laughs> son. Yeah. What do you think we hired? What do you think we hired Chili for? Yeah. Somebody's got to be the athlete here, okay? So, okay. <laughs> Tuesdays are our long run days. That's established now. Well, yeah. So I was thinking, hey man, I'm I'm thinking about getting a good twenty five in, even though that ain't long. But you know, it was no, no. Bit. Hold on, hold on. You say that's not long, but look, but really, what do you think? The since we're the premier ultra running podcast, let's get some ultra running knowledge out there. Really, what do you think? A the longest long run that you should run in training because i feel like once you mm -hmm. go over 20 in a long training run you're just you're just kind of hurting your body more than you're helping it in training to, to me your long run how long it should be is dependent on how long your race is like to me a marathon long run yeah you can cap it at like 20 miles but if you're doing 100 I think a good max long run for a hundred miler is six hours, whatever that comes out to be. Okay. 
Okay, something I like, like that. that. I, like I think that. I think it changes. I mean, if if you're doing a, if you're just racing for a five k, you're like, you don't necessarily need a twenty mile long run. Yeah, okay. I mean, you know, I, so. I, I just feel like in training anything over twenty miles, I think is just beating your body up. Well, I've utilized lots of over twenty mile runs, and well, that's why you bet. That's why you blew up. <laughs> that's why I blew up. <laughs> don't forget how you blew up. <laughs> Yeah, hey, I pulled Chili out of the gutter a year ago. I pulled him out of the gutter, son. Hey. All right, keep talking about our run. Yeah, let me tell. Let me tell you about blowing up. We start this run. We're running seven twenty pace, seven thirty pace. Yeah, and I look over and I don't have a watch on, but I'm like, this is this is probably seven thirty. That's what I thought it was. I thought, buddy, if we're gonna do twenty five miles, you better just back back this horse on up and he looks over and goes no man when i run with you i just like to try to bury myself so we're gonna run hard and i thought man i like to i actually like to get some quality out of my training you know i like to i like to have it be a progression run you know you start out fast is fine but where you can sustain it well and i knew he was gonna if he tried to hold this pace he was gonna get Slap miserable. I'm more of an advocate for a digression digression run. That regression. Regression yeah. run. Yeah. Start fast and then slow down. Yep. That's right. That's right. That's Chad's philosophy. Anybody? Especially in the wintertime because you got to get warmed up. When you, when you first walk out there, you're cold. So you got to start fast until you get warmed up. And by the time you're warmed up, you'll be slowing down a little bit. So if y'all want to run like Chad, just, just get slower as you get further. If you want to run like Chili... Well, speed up. But so we're about two miles in at this point, and I'm looking at him. I'm like, man, you, this is going to get bad. And he's like, no, no, no. So six miles in, you know, we're obviously, that's, we're still good. Eight miles in, still good. Ten miles in, still good. Twelve, I'm noticing he's not exactly functioning. No, not at twelve. I was, I was clicking at twelve. Well, he's going out of the room here, so I can tell you the truth. About twelve <laughs> miles, he's it's really starting to fall off. It's, it's not, I mean, he, he was, he, he, you know how he says, don't give pain a voice. Well, he looks over at me and says, buddy, my hamstrings are tightening up. <laughs> and I said, well, we ain't even halfway through. So that ain't real good there. And about 18 miles in, whatever, whatever was holding Chad together, just, just crumbled. <laughs> Just crumble. We we walk. We get to the hill to come back up his house. To, to he had to get some water. Really, it was just an excuse for him to stop. He needed a break. No, I had drank. I had drank five hundred milliliters yeah. of water. Okay. In eighteen miles, yeah. a half a liter. Excuse number one. Uh, so we, no, I'm not making excuses. I'm just telling you how much water I had drank. Oh, okay. So we get. What does that have to do with anything? <laughs> So we get up to the house, and he walks in the house, and I'm just standing there waiting on him, kind of jogging in place. And Brooke comes out, and he and she goes, "Chili, you've made him throw up." And he's, I don't, I didn't watch him. I guess he was in the house. No, I wasn't throwing up. I was, I tried to drink water, and it went down the wrong pipe, and I was hacking and coughing. Mm, okay, well, so we come out, we start out our last seven miles. Blake calls him. He gets his phone out. 
And I mean, he was just. I was mean to Blake. You were just hateful to Blake. (laughs) I I said, yeah, he said uh, something. I don't even remember what you said. What do you want, dummy? We're uh, we're getting fit. Leave us alone. And I said, all right. Oh, man. So that, that set the stage for the story I'll tell you in a minute. Yeah, so he's just hateful to Blake, and we run down the hill, and then Chad just starts dry heaving. I was I mean, not dry heaving. Every dude. step you were dry heaving, you go, you go, oh, oh, oh. <laughs> Things had went very pear shaped for me. At eighteen miles, my run went pear shaped. Yeah, I, once again, I didn't have a watch, but I looked at it after. I think we were clicking off about thirteen minute pace here. I mean, boy, that you got slapped miserable. So we're on that trail. We're we're rolling. He's every every about five steps. He's <laughs> dry heaving, and uh, we finally get down to the road. And hold on, hold on. What about when we came out on that top cabin up there? You remember what happened up there? <laughs> yeah, we're coming up a big. <laughs> we're coming up a big climb, and he starts telling me, "I think you're. I think you're hurting just as bad as me." you're just using me as an excuse acting like you're just staying with me and i said oh okay so i just ran the climb and get to the top of it and wait on him for about three minutes and a quarter of a mile and i put put a good three four minutes on him and he runs into this top cabin he runs in there he goes hold on i go what are you doing he runs in the house stumbles in and comes out with a, a kombucha or something yeah what'd you have kombucha yeah you drank about half of it and put it back down and we kept running <laughs> and, and then right i as was we, hoping there's gonna be a can of coca-cola in there yeah. is what i was looking wait, for wait is this someone's house you know oh yeah yeah okay. yeah. <laughs> yeah right 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 as he comes st- and he's as he comes stumbling back out here he goes dry heaving again he, oh, oh. <laughs> whatever was in that drink made him dry heave again so then we're about what 21 miles in we run down the hill i mean he keeps saying I'm I'm struggling, so I just keep pulling ahead and then running back to him just to hurt his feelings some more. And then we finally get down to the road. We got about two miles left, so we run a mile out. And I mean, just it's it's pitiful. So I said, you know what? I'm gonna just run this last mile. I gotta open my legs back up. So I put a good five minutes on him in the last mile. Get back to the house, wait on him, and he, <laughs> dude. Dude, you come stumbling in. He lays out on the floor, and he can't get comfortable. He's just moving. He's squirming all over the place like a freaking fish. And he's putting his legs up. I got, I got to get my legs elevated. And then when he did, he his hip flexor started cramping. He go, oh gosh, I got, I got to sit down. And then he'd stand up, and then he'd, Brooke, close the close the doors. I'm getting cold. <laughs> I can't regulate my body temperature in here. I mean. He's in a cold sweat. Oh, he's he's God. asking for food. <laughs> Did he get rhabdo? <laughs> oh, he's still got rhabdo. Uh, you know what I needed? I needed some of them Normatex. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you could have you could have fit right in somewhere but with any, them Normatex. Any uh, you know, I was hurting pretty bad, but Chili got some Chili had a luckily had a tube of Vagisil <laughs> and he rubbed it on my hamstrings and my glutes. Got it rubbed it in nice and you know, where it absorbed in my skin, and boy, I felt right good after that. Well, that's the beginning of the story. Then Chad calls me when I'm out jumping on the trampoline, and I said, hey, you going to come eat with me and Tig and Ange and Justin? He said, oh, no, I, 
I don't even think I can stand up right now, Blake. I, I'm in bad shape. I don't even think I can I can stand up. So we go eat, and we get home about 8.30 or something, and I send a text out what we're going to do the next day. And then Chad pops off hateful again on there. And I said, uh, well, someone's got to take some initiative around here and set something up, or we'll be waiting till tomorrow night. And he sends back these laughing faces. And I said, well, the only thing laughable around here is your lack of willingness to do anything but run. Office and, work. And I list all this thing that keeps 3 of 7 alive that he's been neglecting for about four months. And uh, Man, it's the first month of the year. You want, he wants me to have the whole dang year planned out in January. We've got people waiting to hear back from us on the 50K. You know I do that know, on purpose. Uh, Y'all look, all y'all that are all y'all that are Grant, waiting. I'm trying to get it, Grant. I'm trying to get it. We got people wanting to go on an alpine trip. We got uh, I I've got receipts missing from before Thanksgiving oh, God, last here's year. The receipts again. I mean, so we we're going I mean, I can't even settle up on those on those expenses. Hey, look, count of him. All of y'all that are waiting for the 307 project 50k dates or your it, our our advanced students that are waiting for the invitation to the alpine trip i do this on purpose what do i tell y'all one of the pillars of my life is patience i do this mess on purpose all right so don't don't rush me i'm giving people an opportunity to practice being patient tig how long did you have to wait for your basic course invitation after you submitted your application it it felt like forever it was a long time, it was, wasn't it? It was several months, for yeah. sure. Yeah. How can how convenient that uh, Chad is is blaming his lack of willingness to do work and Look, and and plot playing it as a uh, yeah, I'm teaching you something here with Look, my laziness. Strategic move. That's right. Yeah. Every, everything that Chili and I do is for a reason. Everything we do, and see, people from the outside might look at it as like, oh, these guys are being uh procrastinators or they're doing this or that they don't understand what we're doing but everything we do is to develop you into a freaking machine a warrior man you can't make people understand that no you really can't no, it's I mean, no big deal we'll just keep doing it yeah some people got to be the developers some got to be the ones getting developed. the office people yep. some people got to be the office people I like how when Chad is unsure of of things, he tries to bring other people into it, and he brings like he'll bring Chili. And if he's unsure and he feels like he might need some backup because he's going to get some some uh, flack for what he says, he'll bring other people into it. So he's like, I, yeah, yeah, I got some people on my side here. I, you know, me and Chili, you're really ticking me and Chili off. Here, Chili, don't even say nothing. Chili's always on my side. Hey, I'm on his side, man. Somebody's got to we. Somebody's got to win some races around here, man. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Oh, so, <laughs> you know, I don't know. You freaking I, keep <laughs> pissing off your racehorses, man. <laughs> yeah, you, 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 Blake, you gotta. Do it you, makes them faster when you make them mad. No, man, you, you need to. As a matter of fact, think about how people care for their racehorses. They make sure they have the best food. They brush them down. They make sure they're getting their exercise right. They provide a nice space for them to recover. You need to think about this stuff. You 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 know what I'm saying? I mean, you selling on yesterday's win, son. You got to do some things yourself. Practice what you preach. What what are you talking about? People, a, people don't have to provide that I'm stuff a for you. Go man. out and get it, son. Oh, I'm getting it. 
Good. Um. Oh, all right. I don't know what ha- Look, that run, that is the first really long, hard run. I have taken a, a long break from training specifically uh, in running. I've been, you know, dabbling in this CrossFit and all this other stuff, <laughs> and I've taken a long break. But now I do that intentionally with my running. I'll train up for a race, I'll mm. race, and then I'll take a long break where I'm I still run, but I'm not running a lot. I think that's good for your body. I think that gives you longevity. If you guys watch the uh mm. the the new running series that's coming out soon, uh you'll you'll get to see what guides me in my training process. And so I'm coming off that break now. That was my first long run. And I wanted that run to be like that. I wanted to say, all right, I wanted my body to be like, all right, we're doing this again. And uh, and that d- it did the trick. But I was reduced to a, a puddle. Uh, I was literally reduced to a wad of chewed up bubble gum yeah. by the end of that thing. Yeah, I hate to see you like that, man. <coughs> you're my you're my racehorse partner. I mean, we're we're in this together, and you were reduced to a crawl. Just call it like it is, Chili. He's your daddy. I'll tell you what, Chili. <laughs> hey, you, don't don't be freaking talking like that, Chili. You missed a grand opportunity to get some content for the for the sticker club yesterday. Well, I mean, you, dude, imagine what you could have got for the sticker listen, club, man. man. I, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not your social media. You type it's the sticker club. Well, hey, I'm not pulling out my phone to video you. So what is That's the, your gig? What, what is the sticker club? Well, the sticker club, man. All, all I'm gonna say is, by the time you hear this podcast, the sticker club will be live on the 307 Project Store. All right, and it's an exclusive club. I'm not going to give you too much details. You're just going to have to figure it out on your own. You want to have all of them. Got to catch them all. You got to catch them all. That That's all I'm going to say. You want these. You want these stickers. They're, they're limited. I'm going to go ahead and tell you, they're limited to 100. There's only 100 of each. And if you don't get it, don't be... Don't, gone. don't send me a message three months later saying, hey, that sticker with whoever, I, uh, can I have one of those? No, there's a hundred in existence. That's it. We don't even have any of them. There's just a hundred. So if you want one, you better get it. And we're going to have more coming out down the line. And if you want to be a full-fledged member of the 307 Project Sticker Club and you don't have every single sticker in the collection, you, you ain't it. You ain't in it. So you better get on it now. That's all I'm going to say. That's a good description. Y'all go look up. Even if you don't buy a sticker, just go look up the pictures of them. They are hideous. Where <laughs> where can where can people find the sticker club at? The 37 Project store. What are you talking about? 37project.com, and yeah. then you click the store. Yep. Okay. I, I'll attach a link to the sticker club in the show notes of this episode. Yep. Yeah, where you go to buy you know, your logo sticker or whatever, they're going to be... Under the same, uh, under the same section of the store, and uh, you'll see them. It's gonna be big. <laughs> is there, are there only stickers, or is there gonna be like a passport that you need to fill with the sticker? Well, see, I have a vision, Tig, of once we have more. So we're our initial drop is just three <laughs> stickers. I want to have about a hundred to be in the full fledged sticker club. Yeah. Club, you know, you got to be a member. And so once we have them all released, I want to create a sticker book 
where you have to put them all in this book. You see what I'm saying? So yeah. if you get a sticker right mm -hmm. now and you're you're in the sticker, you, you're starting your journey into the sticker club, don't stick the sticker on anything. You save the sticker. It's a limited time. As a matter of fact, some of y'all might get autographed stickers. Some of these stickers might be autographed on the back. Y'all, look, that, look, that's worth something right there. That's worth at least five cents. <laughs> Collectibles. Yeah, it's collectible. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, you know that little part you peel off? It's going to be numbered to 100. Shh, don't throw it away. No. Yeah. That's memorabilia right there. <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait for this. All right. Well, you know, it's interesting that we have Tig on the podcast. Let me tell y'all something about Tig. Tig or if y'all don't know Tig, uh, when you when when you first meet Tig, you say, "There's something different about this guy. There's something special about this guy." That was my my perspective when I first met Tig. That he was he's he's a unique person. He's his own person, and uh. You just you just know he's kind of a standalone dude. Not that he's not 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 saying that he's not a can't be a team member, right? But he is. I've never met anybody else that's like Tig. Um. Yeah. He's he's confident in in who he is. He's willing to share and be open, and it's like there's no there's just no bones about yeah. who he is. Tig. First of all, dude, what's your real name? <laughs> My real name is Rigan. Like, how do you? How would you spell that? Uh, R I A G A N. Okay. Rigan. It's the Gaelic Irish pronunciation of Reagan. Uh huh. Yeah. I love that, man. Is your last name really Or? It is. Okay. Yeah. O R R. How did you get the name Tig? That's a long story. This podcast is not long enough. To Just tell, that tell story. me how you got the name Tig. Man. Uh, my Give dad, me the high level view. Of my it. dad gave it to me when I was little, uh, watching Way the Pooh on TV. And apparently, either he dropped me or something. And you, if you've seen how Tigger comes into Pooh's house, like he rolls across the floor and crashes into the door and everything. Apparently, I, I did something similar. And he said, you look a lot like a Tigger. And, and it, it, was, it was actually, it was Tigger until about junior high. And then Tigger wasn't cool anymore. Tigger was a little kid stuff. So I dropped the air <laughs> and then it was just Tig. And it's been Tig since. Nobody calls me Ragan. And my mom doesn't call me Ragan. Yeah, it's, that is it's pretty cool, Tig, man. Tig all my life, yeah. Um. Well, Angie, when did you guys meet? Um, oh, it's Angela or Ange. Don't Ange, call her oh, Angie. Dang it, man. <laughs> Not Don't Angie. forget to talk into that mic, Ange. Okay. Um, we met like 14 years ago. 14 years? years? Yeah. Mm -hmm. How long have y'all been married? Seven. It's seven in two weeks. Wow, man. Uh, where did you grow up, Tig? Uh, I grew up in Maine. I grew up, actually grew up as a, as a child on an island on the coast of Maine. And then uh, we moved. It was connected by bridges, but we moved inland when I went to high school because that's where high school was. So I grew up there as a kid, went to high school in Maine, then went to college in Vermont. And lived all over New England up until 2009 when I moved to the West Coast. What What's the deal with the move? I mean, that that's a, that's a, that, up in Maine, mm -hmm. that's a culture, man. Yeah. Like, those are some special mm -hmm. people that live up there. That's yeah. a big shift, man. Yeah, I... Uh, I met her. All right. Are you met from her? the West Coast, Ange? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm an Oregon girl. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So we met 
And uh, I ended up moving. I was always drawn to the Pacific Northwest. Always had a calling to be somewhere out in that area. And even your mom kind of feels like that. Like, yeah. Like, oh, we should go west. Like, it's a kind of a romantic notion for. Yeah. So Angie and I met, and it was kismet, I guess. Yeah, just meant to be out there, and packed up, packed things up, and uh, moved west. I'll be dying. <laughs> well, uh, Ange. We had a baptism this morning, by the way. Tig, that was pretty cool, man. It was, and uh, I thank you both. I thank all three of you for for having having us out and the hospitality you've shown. I I knew when I got baptized that I wanted you guys to do it. You know, we had an opportunity at at our local church, you know, to to sign up for it and have it done there. And I had thought about that, and then decided. That this is where I want to be, and you're the people I want to do it. So, boy, what what an honor it is, and it's really cool. Um, I love being able to do these wintertime baptisms. It was <laughs> one, cold. One, you because, mean you love being? <laughs> what do you mean? I, I, I'm saying I love to be able to be a part of it because it's it's. I mean, I'm standing on the beach videoing, but man, it's so memorable because like, it's one thing to be baptized inside in front of the congregation, uh, you know, in a church building and, and it's all, you know, kind of set up. But man, when you walk out to that lake and that wind's blowing and it's cold and you just got done climbing a mountain, it's like, <laughs> it's just, to me, it's, I, I'll never forget any of them. Mm-hmm. It, even for, even, oh, I'm not the one being baptized. They're so memorable to me. It's like, it becomes a story that's bigger than just the the, the single moment. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? I just I'm so thankful that God's called us to to be a part of you know that that aspect of people's testimony and faith. I mean, I told you this morning when I prayed, I said, "Well, I, I guess I told Jesus." I said, "It's just surreal to me. It really is surreal to me because y'all don't maybe you don't understand." Wasn't that long ago? I was this little redneck country guy in a in a white V-neck T-shirt that hung out on the front porch and shot squirrels off the front porch, and never thought that I would really um, experience uh, something yeah, nowhere near on this scale in life. Uh, and it's just surreal to me when when we get to be a part of things like we were able to be a part of this morning, and just to be surrounded by awesome awesome brothers and sisters and to, to have a just 307 project to have a way to yep. that, that binds all this together and allows it to happen it's literally like this morning i just kind of just had to like pinch myself like man this is real mm-hmm. look at all these people in the house right now mm-hmm. like look what we just all did together it's like holy smokes, man! It yeah. never gets old. Well, we go ahead. Tig. I was just gonna say it. It really is a sense of family. I was telling Angela just in the short drive over here to do the podcast that it it really feels like family. You know the way you open your home to all of us that had had the PT this morning, and then uh, you know to to break bread or have breakfast together, and just the conversation, and it really is a family feeling. Three is the three to seven family, not just the project, but the family. Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy, man. Yeah, and I mean, what's cool to me is we get to be around people of good character and like, you know, 
the the races, the business owners, the whatever, like really any healthy person can go do that. Any smart person can go run a successful business or fit person can train and go win a race. But to have good character and to be around people like that, to me, means so much more than, you know, people get excited like, oh, I go get, I get to be around this person who did this spectacular thing. And really, it it's just... I appreciate so much more being around people that have good character because those skills and abilities can be learned and taught and grown over time. But character is something. I mean, I guess you could argue that that you could learn some of that, but it's going to take a really long time. It's got kind of something you've got to live. Yeah, and I think we talked about that a little bit at the Proving Ground just you know a couple of weeks ago about character. What what do you look for in people that mm-hmm. you want in your circle? Yeah. And character above skill is is the yeah. primary, you know, the primary thing. Yeah, that dude, that little talk that me and Aaron had at the proving grounds, I in that was fun for me. Mm-hmm. Was that fun for you guys? Yeah, yeah, it was interesting. It was you know questions that I've had in the back of my mind about your time in the teams and whatnot, and to have you talk a little bit about that, you know, was was great. You know, I thought that was a lot of fun. Yeah. That was the first time we had done that. Yeah. So, um, I I intentionally. I'm going to ask you a question, Ange, and I just make sure you talk into that mic now. Um, I intentionally didn't ask you this morning, like, where where are you with faith and your your spiritual life? Like, I I don't know anything about you. Yeah. Um, I grew up in church. My dad was a pastor, so it's no just, kidding, man. Yeah, yeah, you married this heathen. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I tell you what, they're like just clapping today, seeing. <laughs> get baptized. Yeah. Sent to my mama picture. Um, but yeah, so church has just been a part of church and Jesus and all of it has been a part of my life forever. Um, and yep, I married a heathen. (laughs) (laughs) No more. No more. Yeah. Well, uh, and Tig, you, your, your life has, has not all faith hasn't always been a part of your life, right? I mean, you've had a pretty bumpy road, right? Yeah. I, I, I didn't grow up with going to the church at all, really. I guess my dad was a, a Methodist lay preacher, but that was even before I was born. Um, but we didn't go to church. I maybe went to Sunday school once in a while, just like if I had a sleepover at a friend's house and they happened to be going to church the next morning. Yeah. You know, I'd end up going to church in Sunday school. But yeah, no no church for me until I met Ange pretty much. Really? Yeah. So, I got yeah. So what were you what 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 were you doing in your in your younger years before you met Ange Tig? Uh what was your life like? <laughs> it was I it was busy. I mean, I I was married before. I had a previous marriage, um, which was good. Uh, you know, I've got two wonderful kids. Um I was an athlete. I raced mountain bikes for years and years. Um, and then got into triathlons. I did triathlons for several years and then, uh, until I didn't, I guess. Yeah. Uh-huh. But I did not know you were a mountain biker. I was, I raced competitively for maybe three or four years downhill primarily. Dude, I got a trail at the house. I wish I would have pulled a mountain bike out and let you hit that <laughs> downhill trail. I did but not you know haven't that. raced for, I mean, once oh, it's, been, it's been over a decade. West, Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, I just, I, Part of my move west, actually, to, to finance that trip, I sold my bikes, uh, which of which I had quite a stable. <laughs> you know, I sold them all, and then uh, eventually I bought a new. I have a road bike now, a cross bike. It's like a cross bike, but okay. 
But yeah, I used to race competitively. <clears throat> was ranked in in the nation at one point. No kidding, dude. Yeah. You, dude, you gotta break. You gotta break that part of your life <laughs> down. I, I'm trying to understand where you were at. So I, what, like, what your life was like then. I'm trying to understand that because I don't know anything. All I know is the now TIG. Right. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. It was good. I mean, everything I did re- revolved around bicycles. I mean, I hung out at a bike shop. I went on group rides. I was, you know, part of a team, team manager for a downhill team. I ran endurance, like 24 hour bike races, you know? So that was your thing then? That was all consuming. Yeah. Now what, what, why, why did you back off of that? Um, I, well, when I moved west, I moved away from my, my team, my support system, you know, and again, I had to sell my bikes to, as part of the move and I just never got back into it. I never found people when I got to Portland, we're in Portland, Oregon. Uh, I never found, even though there are a lot of cyclists there, I never found a group to get involved with. It just, you know, I had everything's going on, trying to find a new job and just got wrapped up in day-to-day life and never had the free time to get back into biking. Yeah. So perfect. What were you doing professionally? in in your earlier years was it was biking your job too was that no no i had several jobs i worked for uh home depot for many years both in store and in a corporate environment then uh different thing i worked at a casino i did it work for a casino with slot machines for several years and yeah just kind of all over the place okay but once you moved out to portland like i'm not super sporty or running and biking like that's just not my thing and so like how was he gonna meet like we just didn't have it a group of people that were we were connected with where did you guys meet on the east coast or west coast um what okay you go uh in between we actually <laughs> we actually met on the internet yeah okay it was online as they say how'd that first date go the first time you guys saw each other in person uh really well did it really <laughs> yeah it was good yeah. we've been talking you yeah. know back and forth for so long okay. i mean it's kind of one of those things like who does this work out for I and mean, this is before like internet like oh the, that's the thing now yeah oh i mean it yeah. was not a thing yeah. then um but yeah we were like who does this really work out for and then we were like well i don't know maybe us like um mm. so yeah okay but we both went through divorces and you know yeah. so it was like start we started over uh-huh at, mid-30s and yeah so what what is what has got you to the point that you are now in your in your faith tig like in in your in your spiritual life like what how how did that transition go i mean how'd you end up here that's that's she always tells the stories better than i do but uh, i think i've i was always a searcher you know, looking, and I actually, even through my younger years and up through college, you know, I, you know, I'd look a little bit at Buddhism, you know, cause yeah. I was in college and that's what, you know, a little bit of that, you know, in Christianity. And I took little pieces and parts. I always considered myself spiritual, mm-hmm. not religious, certainly wasn't a, a follower of Jesus, but I wasn't taking that off the table either. You know, yeah. I was trying to take the, the best of a little bit of everything, um, you know, into, until I met Ange and then even in early years of us being together, you know, wasn't really a, a follower of Jesus, even though she, or she was very strong in her faith, yeah. you know, when her dad being a pastor. Um, and then the three to seven project. I mean, you guys really, I, it was a, a blessing to, 
to stumble upon you. And I had no intention of getting involved with Jesus or Christianity when I first started watching, but it, as you ministered, you guys have done what you did. I became more interested in it, you know, and just listening uh, to the podcast and that sort of thing. So it piqued my interest Mm -hmm. in, in everything that she had done her whole life, you know, and, we put it in. So. We kind of put it in country boy logic terms. Yeah. yeah. Well, you, you made it approachable <laughs> and accessible. There you go, man. I love it. But also, isn't that just how God works? It's like you. There are so many things that happened before, mm-hmm. um, prayers and just like so, so much that ha- like lays the groundwork for um, the Holy Spirit to like really soften your heart and like it. You hold those things with an open hand, and then at the right timing then it was like he was ready. Yeah. And I never wanted to like push him because that's not like, it has to be his relationship with Jesus. It can't be mine. Uh, I mean, I have my Uh own, but he needs to have his own. Yeah. And so I really didn't like push that very much. Well, that's what I wanted to ask you, Ange. Like how, how was it in the early years of, of you guys relationship? How was it being married to someone that didn't have the same foundation of faith that you had. I mean, was that a struggle? What what were the, I know there had to be some struggles. What yeah. were you doing? What was the struggle? Was that how was that for you? Um, I had been part of a really big church, like a mega church, um, and been really involved there, and just like through divorce and all life changes, like was really disillusioned. And so the fact that like Tig didn't have like church baggage was, I, I liked that about him. Mm-hmm. Like that he was sensitive to spiritual things and like didn't belittle the, my faith, even though he didn't share it, but he like wanted to hear about it. And, and, um, I, but I liked that he didn't have the baggage that comes sometimes with probably a lot of times with people that have been in church for a long time and, um, yeah. So I, I liked that about him rather than the other way around, you know, where you're just like, Oh, I wish he would come. Like, it was like, good. Like it's freeing. Like, you know, mm-hmm. we, we all have a different path. And so, I mean, the first couple of years, that's how it was. And then I really missed a community. Um, and so we, we went to a church for a little while, but you know, it, we went when it was convenient. Yeah. We, we tried on several. Yes. Tried like, on. Nah. Just not a good fit, like the ones that we tried, you know, here and there, and just couldn't find a good fit. So how was that for how was that for you, Tig? Like, like being injected amongst this body of believers that all believed in this one Mm -hmm. thing, and you weren't there yet. It was, it was uncomfortable at first. You know, I I had no interest in taking communion. You know, that was uncomfortable for me. Yeah, you know. and we even went to some some classes, you know. And I was interested in in the historical side of the Bible. A lot of that interested me, though. Me too. Yeah. Um, but still wasn't comfortable being involved in, in the spiritual side of it, really. Yeah. Yeah. I uh, I bet that I I'm, I still get uncomfortable when I go to a church building. <laughs> too many people. Just. You know, mm-hmm. um, 
But you, we really haven't been part of a church, but that has, like, no, you are part of the church. Right, right, right. Yes. Yeah. You're right. Um, but that has been something that um, I think for me is really, like, I have missed that so much. Yeah. And that community, um, to have a support system and stuff, that's that was, like, it got harder. Like, I really wanted that and prayed for that. And, Tig, you were basically willing because you saw that Ange wanted that, needed that, was yearning for that. You were, mm. you were willing to stay by her side oh, yeah. and at least seeking that out. Of course, yeah. yeah. That so, takes a lot of courage, man. I couldn't imagine going to a – it'd be tough going to a, a, a meeting, a church meeting, and being like, well, I'm here. I don't really believe this, but I'm here. I mean – that's yeah. what it's for, right? Yeah. I mean, right. You know, that's that's really what it's it's not it's it serves multiple functions. It can serve the function of it's a local church body. Yeah. That's, you know, yes, we've defined what the church is, but there's also, you know, local churches. You live in Portland, Oregon, so there's a local community of the believers that live there and you meet together and and talk through things talk through things you're struggling with and and worship and then there's also this aspect of well we're making a place for people who don't believe or, or are struggling like with that. this or struggling with that so that's really what it's for you know i like that so much man i think that's but a- i think when you're part of a church for a long time like growing up in church and that's all you know you can almost become like i don't want to say numb like that sounds too harsh but like it just is, it's all you know. Yeah. So you do like the Bible studies, you do the women's ministry things and the mom's groups and all of that. And then when I, I kind of felt like when I needed support, then it wasn't there. And it was like, wait a minute, what, like, what was this all? What were we really a part of then? Mm-hmm. If, if when you actually are the one in, that needs support, it's, you don't have it. Yeah, they almost look at you with glazed over eyes like, wait, what? You're not, Yeah, you're struggling with something? Like, we're not supposed to talk about that. Right. Right, right. Like, oh, wait, no. Yep. No, boy, you know, put you on a prayer chain or something. Yep. And then like, wait a minute, but that just seems backwards to mm-hmm. me. And so I, I really didn't want to go to church for a while, mm-hmm. quite a while. Um. Uh, Which I'll, I feel like guilty even saying that, but that's the <laughs> truth of it. No. You know. <laughs> I'm right there with you, Ange. Um, Tig, you, you mentioned earlier that you were interested in the his, historic aspect of the Bible, mm. which is, is probably, I, I mean, I, I think you can't even dispute it as the number one book that's ever been written. And it's not just one book, it's multiple books, and there is historical value there. Mm-hmm. Um, but you also said that you you had some general knowledge or understanding of other, uh, other religions, Buddhism, or whatever it may mm-hmm. be out there. Uh, what's interesting to me about the difference between what Christianity, what People say, how is this not the same as all these other religions? Well, for me, there is no, I don't know of any other religious ideology out there that tells you 
you cannot do it. Every other one tells you you should do this, 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 and this in order to achieve this. Am I wrong by saying Christianity is the only one that tells you, no, you're screwed. <laughs> you can't do it. Mm-hmm. If, if you do this, this, and this, it, if, if you pray and you face a certain direction or you martyr yourself or you do, none of that's good enough, right? Yeah. There, there is th- this cornerstone that is Jesus mm-hmm. that makes it stand apart from every other religious ideology out there. You can't work your way into it. You can't. Yeah. You, you can't. It, and that's what makes it so unique. So with you having... Mm-hmm. With you having some knowledge of other religious ideologies, what has got you to the point that you said, okay, Jesus makes sense to me, and I understand why this is true and why I need this? I mean, you had that had to be a transition. Right. Yeah, I think when I first started uh, reading the Bible and getting interested in Christianity and, and Jesus— Almost right off the bat, I started noticing changes uh, for the better in my life, in our relationship, in every aspect I could think of. Just things just took a turn for the better. And, you know, as I started praying and whatnot, that sort of thing, like, I, I, not that I'd pray to get a new job, but I got a new job, which at a time where I had a job that wasn't so great and I got to you know, and it, our relationship strengthened. And then Hmm. we we just bought a home recently. It's like the more, the more involved I got and gave myself to Jesus, the better our lives got. And it was like, and we had a good relationship. Like, it's not like there, it was good, but all of a sudden there was like a shift that can only be, it it just is the Holy spirit. There's no other, there's no other way to describe it. And there was one night particular that I was, I texted my mom and I was like, okay, things just took a turn in our house because Tig's reading the Bible and he just told me I needed to watch my mouth. Like, like I was cussing and he was like, you need to be careful. And I'm like, wait, what? Like, that's backwards. Like what's, what's going on here? Like talk about like, you know, a change. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. And I was like, okay, this is really, we've entered a new territory here. Like all of a sudden he's the one telling me to watch it. <laughs> I'll bet that knocked you sideways for a minute, didn't it? Like, yeah, I was like, I am. I'm sorry. What? Like, <laughs> but you like that, right? Like from it, maybe I, not initially, but as it progressed. Yes. I didn't even know that I wanted him to have that role. I didn't even mm-hmm. know that like I needed that mm-hmm. because I didn't have that. Yeah, I think it freaked her out a little bit. Mm-hmm. She came home from work one day, and I was sitting on the couch. She said, what are you reading? Little Isaiah? Said, what? Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, you know what I love about <laughs> what you just shared with us, Tig? Um, and, and I think we need to we need to, to, to tell people that when you, if you come to an understanding and a realization that Christ is real and he is who he said he is and you decide to accept him as your Lord and Savior. Um, Christ is not coming in and manipulating your reality to where everything goes right. 
in my view, what Tig just described, what it what is happening when you start to read the Bible. The principles of the Bible, it is an outline of how the human machine must function. So what happens is, is all of a sudden, you have the blueprint of how the human machine works. You, how you and in your life and your marriage and, and society and, and how it all works, right? And so when you tap into that and you start bringing your actions into alignment with the design of your creator, things will start, things will get better all right you you know you, you're not necessarily going to get rich you're not going there's not the, the he, god's not going to manipulate the natural world but if you'll bring yourself into alignment with how you were designed and how we were designed to interact with each other you're like oh holy crap this mm-hmm. uh, this actually works right mm-hmm. and so this thing called wisdom i have it and it's it, so it's you got you get wise when you begin to study scripture the bible makes a claim it says the beginning of all wisdom is in the fear of the lord right that's the beginning of wisdom when you say okay i now understand the the process of creation i know who my creator is and he has given me this that is where wisdom starts there there you you can't possess it without without that I truly believe that part of the Bible that says the beginning of all true wisdom is in the fear of the Lord. Now, I notice a distinct shift in my life. People ask me all the time, Chad, I maybe they read something I wrote or, or something like that, and, and, and they say, how are you so wise? And now, I don't make the claim to be wise. I, I, I don't make that claim, but I have been asked that question because I'm fairly young mm-hmm. and I there was a distinct shift in my life where when I began to study scripture the holy spirit opened my eyes to what scripture tells me about life and morality and relationships and all this stuff that wisdom was imparted to me through scripture right and life became much clearer to me. And so that is the source of wisdom. You know, I was just talking to Chili the other day, and, you know, we, we, I, I enjoy every now and then listening to this guy, Jordan Peterson. He has a very vast knowledge mm-hmm. of scripture. But if you study scripture just purely from a historical or a logical or metaphor, even a metaphorical, standpoint I, I you don't tap into the wisdom that it has to offer you and i told chili i said you know this guy jordan peterson is a he is very intelligent he's a deep thinker he can process things down to the very root but i still cannot i still would not categorize him as wise in in my this is my own opinion mm-hmm. i don't look at that guy i don't listen to that guy and say this guy is a wise human because because of what we just talked about. And it's, well, it's interesting, the difference between intelligence and wisdom. Well, I've said it before. I don't, I don't say that I like or dislike people that I've never met, and I haven't met Jordan Peterson, but I love the way he 
Uh, I, I like listening to him. He thinks a lot like you. Go Y'all, through things. Yeah, your process I mean, of thought. I just do. I like I like how um, he articulates arguments and everything else and a lot about him. But, uh, you know, when you say wisdom and you're talking about wisdom and he's read the Bible a lot, you know, he's very familiar with, with so many things. And, and, you know, you didn't, what you read doesn't say the beginning of all wisdom is from reading scripture doesn't say that yeah it says the beginning of all wisdom is from the fear of the lord Lord. yeah i mean that's an interesting distinction Mm -hmm. you know it's like just reading this is not going to translate to wisdom i love that distinction you have to you have to read it with the proper um the proper whatever whatever you call it like position in your heart you you have that's almost a precondition uh to extracting the wisdom, true, deep, meaningful, applicable wisdom is that posture of your heart. That's the word I wanted. The posture that your heart is when you're reading that. And we don't ever know like what what others what someone else is processing in their own heart and in their own mind, because who knows? But he's he could be having a whole experience. Exactly. And, yeah, we don't know what he And I like that like especially these days with podcasts and YouTube and all the things that we have access to that, I mean, we're all just really working out our own salvation, like in reverence before God. And, and, and wow, like that is so cool that, you know, here we are sitting here talking on a podcast with like Mm -hmm. ultra runners, which that is so not, I mean, talk about ironic, like that's bizarre. Um, (laughs) But talking about Jesus, that's the thing we have in common and working out, the our salvation our own salvation just like jordan peterson is doing the same yep. and by no means are my comments mm-hmm. on him i, I don't mean those yeah. to be derogatory i'm just saying from from the, the 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 minor little bits that i've heard from him um that is my perspective mm-hmm. you know what i mean well, yeah i'm not sure i it's it's i, I don't know what I, I mean i don't have any form of judgment on what what he thinks or what he's going through. I just, it's all positive with me. I appreciate how he can have a discussion with anybody and and work through points. I I mean, I'm, I love it, but I I like hearing like other people sort through stuff. Like it's like mm -hmm. a study of the human experience. Well, it's, it's interesting because a lot of the things that a lot of the things are, are the preconceived notions of, life or a lot of the beliefs that we have if they're not deeply rooted in scripture a lot of the beliefs that we have about life are actually flawed when you get right down to the root of them and if you if you try to formulate a a notion of life or truth that's not rooted in scripture i don't even know how that's possible because there are an infinite number of angles you can approach it from. Yeah. And so that's why I think so much wisdom can be extract, e- extracted from scriptures because it gives you a root outside of yourself. It gives you a foundation outside of yourself that then you can build upon. You try to formulate, if I try, I'll tell you an example. One of my truths in life that I, that, that was just completely destroyed yesterday was that the human will was the biggest part of the equation in a person's struggle. So if you're struggling with something 
my perspective was, well, you know, you need, you're just not mentally tough enough, obviously. Like, you can will your way through this. That's, that's not true. Mm-hmm. That is not true, right? Now, I thought that was true for me because I, because that's what I, I'm able to do that in, yeah. in a lot of ways, but it's because I have other things in place that are supporting my will. Um, but you're really not able to do that on your own. That saying that saying that you're mentally tough enough to will your way through is to say that you can do it all on your own and you don't need. Well, I, I'm I'm mainly again. This is again why a, a lot of this for for me. I'm I'm I've developed this concept, you know, that is true for me, but it's not truth. I'm talking about the physical things that I do. Yeah, you know, or or um, even. You know that that's more what I'm talking about. I'm not saying that I can will my way through uh, everything that life throws at me, but even the physical stuff that we might be experiencing. Yeah, but who's to even say how much of that is is truly things going the way? I mean, certainly you got to put the work in, right? But I, I don't know. That'd be a whole other discussion. Yeah, I'll break I'll break that down. I'll break that down later. But anyways, I think wisdom is uh is really the knowledge that you get out of the bible applied and that's when like you're able to get the wisdom that the bible has to offer you 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 know know? one day i would like to really do a study on wisdom Mm -hmm. like really try to define it when how does scripture define it because there's because i think a lot of times it gets the perspective of wisdom gets overlapped with intelligence or knowledge or yeah. something like that. The the most wise people that I've ever met, and take this for what it's worth, from my perspective, it's the most wise people are the people who don't act like they know everything. <laughs> they they don't act like they know what they don't know. You know, so I think in this world, especially the social media world, I think that's amplified it. We want people to come on there and talk about what they know. Like, you know, I know this and I know that. And I, the wisest people I've met don't pretend like they know things that they don't know just for the sake of looking good. You know, and, that, and once again, that's that's a Jordan Peterson characteristic. I, I can't help but bring him up um, is, you know. I don't think he gets on there and acts like he knows things that he doesn't know. And I really appreciate that. But that's actually something that like I loved about Tig when I first met him is that he did. He just is solid. Like when you talk about wisdom, mm-hmm. yes, the, the Bible, all of that, there's a spiritual wisdom that comes with it. But then there's also like just practical wisdom and life. And that's like he's principled and he has this like depth to him like he doesn't have to prove himself he's not gonna say like like you said like he knows something that he doesn't he's yep. like yeah i don't i don't know what about that like yep. uh, what let's figure it out or there's no like bravado that yeah. he has to prove something like he's not gonna fake it he's brutally honest and i i love that about him and adding this whole new level of the spiritual part of it is just like I don't know. It's mm-hmm. it's so no. That makes sense. It's it's incredible. Like yeah, that's, and I th- I think through through the basic course and even into the proving ground for me, I some self confidence, some self doubt, or self confidence issues and self doubt. 
uh, mainly revolve around the question, what do, what do I bring to the table? Like there's this team here. Mm. You've got somebody that's on the team that's an ultra runner already and somebody that's just, you know, somebody that hikes their backpacks all the time and you got somebody that's a hunt like hunter, but what do I bring? You know, and I, I over us discussing it recently quite a bit, actually, I think part of that is what she was saying. I think it's, it's wisdom, you know, and, which comes with age and life experience. And there's this whole different level of, of wisdom. Um, maybe that I'm coming into now with my yeah. faith, but just having years of experience and, you know, sometimes it's, it's more important to know when to keep your mouth shut <laughs> than to open it and, you know, say something or talk to something that you're not familiar with or you don't know about. So yeah, talk about wise, mm-hmm. keeping your mouth shut. wise. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that is true. Um, yeah, we're going to break down that topic one of these days. Like, Even a fool's thought wise if he doesn't open his mouth. <laughs> yeah, that's true. But isn't there the Bible verse that says, like, wisdom, who can know her? Like, it's, like, it, it is the yeah. ultimate. It's always something sure. you're seeking yeah. more of. Yeah. Nobody's yeah. going to call Blake a fool. <laughs> so, Tig, <laughs> I, I mean, ultimately, we talked about the difference between christianity and all these other religions like at at what point did you at what point like was it jesus like the cornerstone like i think when i got back from the basic course i think it was that was very revealing for me uh some of the things we do out on the course uh the reflection on our lives and, and hearing your teammates reflect on their lives um was kind of a catalyst for me to pursue Jesus further and to look more into that. And I think I'd gotten home, you know, after we were done, that was the beginning of March. And I think May, May 31st, we were sitting on the couch watching something on TV. And I, I think I asked Ange about getting, how do how do you get saved? Like, what do you have to do to be saved? You know? And she said, well, don't confess with your mouth and know in your heart. And, I thought for some reason, like you, it was a big deal. Like you had to go somewhere to be saved or somebody had to do it for you. You needed your pastor to perform some sort of ceremony for you to be saved. You know, and I wanted that. And she's like, well, you can be saved right here on the couch next to me, you know? And, and I did, I spoke it and it was, yeah, it was, it was done right there at home. I thought it had to be fanfare and, you know, you had to be at a church building and <laughs> and all that sort of thing. Witnesses, somebody to sign something. I didn't know. You know? Yeah, <laughs> but, yeah, yeah. And it was what. And once, and once I did, it was, I. It was like a weight was lifted instantly. Like I just felt like it was right. You know, and just it's changed everything since then. Mm. Dang man, I it's kind of been that, been the d- direction. You know, it's kind of everything's. It's influenced everything. My focus on everything in my life, you know, to, you know, that from that point on. Which I love that, like, there are people that have incredible, like, experiences that are giant and monumental and, you know, powerful. That's great. But I think, like, there's something really just, um, oh, what's the right word? Like, just practical about just, living your everyday life in a principled way and sitting on the couch being like, you know what? Wait, I want, I want Jesus. Like I'm going to ask him right now. And like, it, it just feels, um, it, 
it feels it right. Like it was per, it was the exact thing that. Not the exact Watch right that time. Mic, Ange. Oh, yeah. I want to make sure Is you that, come through loud and clear. It just was the it it fits so perfectly with who he is and how he processes things. It was, it was just right. Yeah. You know, as of course God is good like that, like by his grace, you know, that's how it it works. Mm -hmm. I I love, and I love how simple our creator made it. Uh, He wanted it to be, it had to be simple Mm -hmm. because he wants it to be available to everyone. How, how simple is that? Mm -hmm. Uh, I mean, it's it's that's what one of one of the most beautiful aspects of salvation as as Christ laid it out for us is the simplicity of it. And yeah, you don't need all of this fanfare and you don't need all of this stuff. It's literally something you can do anywhere. It's something that you you as a follower of Christ can share or walk through anyone with. And it's it's just so beautiful. It's just so simple. It's just beautiful, man. Yeah, that's that's a beautiful part, small part of your testimony that can help other people because there's a lot of people out there that still think just like you thought, like, well, yeah, I, I want to get saved now, but I'm not a member of a church or uh, I got to wait for the altar call or I've got, you know, all these things have to happen. Mm-hmm. And there you can say, no, man, I'm... I asked my wife right here on my couch, and I found out that you could do it this way, and that's what we did, and I've been saved ever since. And so, uh, how do we get so far that will... from that? How do we we we've gotten we've gotten so far from the the concept of of what it what salvation actually is? Well, yeah, I don't think anybody's really said like this is how you have to do it, but so many people now attend a local church building, whatever. And that's how it's done, and so they just think. And if that's the way that it happened for them, then they think, well, that's, I guess that's the way it's got to be. And someone on the outside that that doesn't know any better or any different, then that's, you know, what else do you have to go by? Uh, but I think it's right. important to put that message out, even if you're a pastor or whatever, to say, hey, I'm going to give this this Sunday, but you don't have to be here. If if your buddy wants to get saved. You can you can tell them about it, and y'all can do it out on the street corner or on your couch. It doesn't matter. And so to put that out there, I think, is a beautiful thing. Yeah. Well, Chad asked the question, why have we gotten so far from that? Why is it confusing? Well, who, if you ask them, could define what salvation is? Like, a lot of people don't have an answer ready for that. Yeah. I mean, even p- leaders like, you're like, explain it. I mean, they'll have an answer, and they'll kind of go down this road, but you're like, what are you saying? I mean, is it that? Is it really that? Just just tell me what it, you know, like, like that's kind of what you asked. You were like, well, how do I be saved? Right. You yeah. know, that's not, that should be, that that should be easily, I mean, kind of like, I guess, like, like you told him. You laid it out plain as day in front of him, you know. I just don't think, I think that's why we've gotten far from that is it's not, you're right. I mean, e- even even using the word "saved," like what what does that actually mean? What nobody really knows how to articulate uh, that. What in, in I mean, my my understanding when when we use the word "saved," you know that implies well, you're asking questions. Well, why do I need to be saved? What what am I being saved from? And and for me, almost a better way to put it was would be 
you are being reconciled back to a relationship with your creator that has been broken because of the wickedness that is inherently in you. You know what I mean? And, and, and it's like, yes, you do. You have to be set. You're being saved from yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Essentially is what, what that actually means. We were talking about this in the car, actually on the way over here, because I grew up in church and so w- when I got saved, I was five, and a little girl at church told me I had the devil in my heart. And I was like, no, I don't. Like, what? We hate the devil. Like, it's the only thing we're allowed to hate. And I don't have the devil in my heart. And my dad and um, his buddy were like, well, do you want to know for sure that you don't have the devil in your heart? And I was like, yes, absolutely. And so I prayed just after church one day with them as a five-year-old, like, the sinner's prayer, as simple and mm-hmm. basic as could be, and that, and I was saved. Um, but Tig said when he, we just talked about it on the way over here, and he goes, "Oh, I thought you kind of got grandfathered in because like your dad was the pastor, and that is how things are overcomplicated because mm. so many people that grow up in church, they probably think that like, well, I'm kind of grandfathered in because my dad was the pastor or mm-hmm. my parents had a relationship with Jesus, and so." I do too, but that isn't Mm. the way it is. Like you have to have your own relationship with Jesus outside of your family, outside of, you know, what your, even your family heritage has been or any of that. Like it's it's, personal. It has to be personal. I mean, you can live a good life without that, but you're not going to live a great life in Jesus without that. I think another thing too is that it's human nature to, something as grand as salvation and actually receiving that you feel like there's got i've got to i have to do more this is too simple it's like when when we give people the mandate free to money they're like what i what what's the catch like what do i have to do and and so i feel like as humans we think this is a huge thing for me to receive and there has to be more to it i have to do more than just this or or there ha- it has to be a little more complex or if someone buys your dinner and you're like, nah, man, no, uh, let me give you this. Or y- you want to repay, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that a lot of that is the hang-up is just human nature. And it's hard to understand the truly free and unconditional love. that Like it's hard for us to comprehend that because we don't love people that way. Here in America and probably most of the earth, you get what you deserve. That's the message that's preached. You do bad, you get bad. You do good, you get good. And that's preached so much that it's hard to understand who God is and how he really loves and treats us. Grace yeah. is a hard thing to understand. Yeah. Yeah, you hear the word karma thrown around a lot. Yeah. Karma is is actually uh, yeah, I don't I don't use that word. Well, maybe it's a maybe it's a good thing possibly uh that you have that inclination that you should do more for it because as far as what you deserve, yeah, you should do more for it. Like we don't deserve it. So that, that, that's a, that's a legitimate feeling that you would have to have that, Oh, I actually should do more for this because I don't deserve it. So that's actually, you could, you could say, well, that's, that's a good thing to realize that. But then what has to be coupled with it is that you can't. Yeah. You know, both yeah. of those things in conjunction are like, oh, okay, yeah, I actually should do more for this because 
I don't deserve it. However, I can't. So, you know, I mean, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think the should do more is the follow on. Like you have to understand and accept that it is truly this simple for me to receive salvation. But I understand that I get it, but I don't feel like I deserve it and I don't, so I want to do more. And then that's like the follow on. But if you if you never think that that it's really that simple and you keep questioning it, you're going to get hung up right there for a long time and you're going to say, oh, was I really saved? Am I really saved? I, I don't know if I've done enough. And So there has to be a point where you just have saved by grace through faith. You have to have faith that that truly is the beginning. And to want to do more is a beautiful thing. Like when you realize I don't deserve this and you want to do more, present yourself as a living sacrifice every day. This is yours. This is yours. This time is yours. This moment's yours. Everything. And I think that goes into what you're saying. Yeah, I mean, and also all those questions you were mentioning, you know, it is, we can sit here and say it's simple all day long. Well, if it was, I mean, it, maybe it is simple, but we confuse it. Maybe you want to say that, like it's confusing for people, you know, people have a hard time with it. And, and I think that's, you know, the, the more you can clear things up, I mean, in your own head for other people, help them do it, you know, that that's, that's important. I mean, I think understanding that people understanding people's struggles with it and they're, they're, that they are legitimate is is an important thing. I think too many people come off as like, what, you don't get it? You know, why don't you get it? And it's like, that's not, that's not helping anybody <laughs> right. at all. So, yeah. I, I want to ask you, Tig, um, you know, we, we've talked about the basic course on the podcast before and I know everybody's experience at the basic course is different. Mm. I want to ask you uh, primarily about your experience at the Proving Ground. And um, did it build upon what you learned at the basic course? <clears throat> did it? Uh, how did it impact you? What value did you get from it? Or just generally your experience with that, man? Because I don't get to hear a lot mm. of people t you know, talk about what that training meant to them. I know what it means to me, but I don't get to hear a lot about what that means to you guys. So, yeah, I, I think it definitely built upon the basic course. Um, you know, I had, had some struggles at the basic course, uh, a little bit with my physical fitness and that sort of thing. And when I, when we finished the basic course, I decided I wasn't going to let that happen again. Like I was, I knew I wanted to do the proving ground, and I knew I was going to have to put in the work, you know, so that I didn't have those kind of struggles there. Um, and I, I have, or I did over, you know, over the almost a year before the, I, I got to the proving ground. Um, and I think it paid off, even though I wasn't the strongest person there. You know, I, I felt strong the whole time, you know, and, and that was huge. And I, I came away from it feeling, feeling good, feeling good about myself and everything else that went along with it was fantastic you know the land navigation or you know just everything that we did there there were some lessons in teamwork and everything else so i think you came back like you felt clear clearer about some things that you wanted to do yeah i kind of i think i went into the brewing ground really wanting to work on my self-confidence still and leadership skills and i i think i've i've grown in those areas because of it 
as well. Mm -hmm. Even though I wasn't a leader there necessarily, I led in my own way and I certainly felt more comfortable interjecting information into the parts of it where I felt strong, you know, so. How was the pace of it compared to the basic course? Like, did were you... Were you shocked at the pace of it? Was it was it different to you, or, um, you know what I, I mean as far as pace, just the the intensity of it. Yeah, I think the intensity was certainly higher. Um, I, I think I got more out of the basic course. I think maybe just because a smaller group, a smaller team, mm-hmm. whatnot. Um, but I think I enjoyed the proving ground more. Uh, I enjoyed the pace of it quite a bit. Yeah. Um, some of the, the physical parts of it, I actually found myself at the end wishing there was more of it. Yeah. Uh, like he said, he wished that Sunday would have been like, like he was ready to like go hard again. Yeah. Yeah. More PT. Give me more. Uh-huh. You know? I was like, what? Like, <laughs> yeah, just maybe because I had grown and gotten stronger and just felt more confident in that aspect. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's that. I think that's why it's so hard to gauge. I, I ask myself that question all the time, of of those two training evolutions, mm-hmm. which one is more difficult? It's it's hard to gauge because they're both so, they're they're both very uniquely difficult in mm-hmm. in different in totally different ways. And I saw the work that you were putting in to get ready, and it physically prepared for the proving grounds, and you know. I figured you were going to crush it more so than you, you crushed out of the basic course yeah, because. I, yeah. I still wouldn't say I'm a runner, but I, you know, I've been running and you know, we just started doing kickboxing Yeah, now and we've got the kettlebells in the garage. So we're putting in the work there. So I felt strong, but I think part of it that I brought to the proving ground that I learned about myself on the basic course was that mentally, like I've got mental toughness you know, just a, a never quit kind of attitude mm-hmm. that I knew no matter how hard it got, you know, that I, I wasn't going to quit. You know, I just had, had that mental toughness and some of the, the, the aspects and the parts of, of the proving ground. You no, know, I felt even more than physical stuff. Some of the mental stuff that we do there, um, I felt even stronger than I did physically. That's awesome, dude. Yeah. But one thing that you said was that you wouldn't let happen again was that the opportunity to lead, to be there, and you not take it. Like, that was a bit of a sting, and you came back and said you would not let that happen again. Yeah. I yeah. think that's kind of a... Yeah, I had an opportunity at, at the beginning of the Proving Ground to step up. Yeah. And I told myself, going into it, like, I'm, I'm going to be a leader. You know, I want to be a leader here, and, and I didn't. And that's mm. my one regret coming away from that. But... On the plus side, like I, I learned something else about myself. You know, I, I learned like you reflect on why did I not? What were the barriers to that prevented me from stepping up? You know, when you're being well, I'm interested. Out for different things. What, and, what were, what were some of those barriers that you've dissected? I think the biggest one was my my fear of failure, and not being being a leader or being the leader that I want to be in my mind. Yeah. Somehow, yeah. Yeah, I get that. Yeah. Yeah, those, I mean, I've been in similar scenarios where you, you have aspirations of, no, you know what you want to do, but then when you get put on the spot all of a sudden, it's like, oh my gosh, you, you know, and then, and then if you don't seize it in that moment, yeah. it's too late. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 
That's awesome, man. He said, well, that will never happen again. Like, I'll remember that minute. I love that. That's yeah. a huge, huge lesson, man. Yeah, we'll see what happens in the Alpine mission. <laughs> <laughs> and that's, I mean, that's why we train, right? So you mm -hmm. came there, and had you not had that came or had that realization, then maybe when it really counts in life, when it's time to step up, you wouldn't have done it. But mm -hmm. now you know what that feels like when it's time to step up. You know your tendencies, and you can say, oh, I've experienced this before, and I know what to do, and now I can do mm -hmm. it. Yeah. Do you guys have to use the restroom or anything? Everybody good? All right. Because yeah, cause I want to dig in real quick to um, to how you guys have been dealing with life where you guys live. Um, obviously, with everything that's been going on with the coronavirus and all this stuff, you guys are in an area Portland, Oregon, that I think everybody's heard is a tough place to be and has been a tough place to be for the last two years now. And how have you guys been able to overcome? How, I mean, whatever, I just want to know because I know where, I know that's had to have been a huge, maybe I'm wrong, but has that been a chat? Has it been challenging for you guys? Yeah, huge, huge uh, challenge. Um, cause when everything first got shut down, actually, I think it's kind of interesting too. um, the conversations about the basic course and stuff It all like just dovetails together because when things got shut down, like I had huge anxiety and what, what we were living with was like, we didn't leave the house for three months. We like Barely, I mean, there was a time we had to run to Home Depot and we were like in the parking lot trying to decide like, do we go in, do we not? Like, yeah. if we get it, then we're going to give it to granddad. And what if he dies because we gave it? Like, we were having just about running in to get like something at Home Depot. Like, I know. And, yeah. and my daughter was had a really hard time with it too. So it was the three of us kind of stuck home for a long time together. And Tig just like rose to the occasion like he was our anchor. Like he held it together for us when we were like, ah, like, oh my gosh. And he'd be like, put your phone down. Like, it doesn't matter the statistics or how many people have it today. Like I would be like before bed looking at like, what's, what do the stats say? And he'd be mm -hmm. like, why? Like, stop it. Like you're just, you're lighting your own anxiety fire. Like, yeah. And when we say shut down, I, I realized like, not everywhere shut down. It seems like probably some areas down here didn't shut down completely or maybe they all did for a little while. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, it's it, everything. The city, I work for the city of Portland and we closed up shop and I got like three weeks off paid. I just go home, stay in your house. Don't come out of your house. It was, it was crazy. Yeah. Um, but in hindsight, he, crazy. <laughs> was that before the basic course or had you done it? I think it just before, maybe, yeah, just before. So you, oh, no, you did it this is this is interesting because the genesis of all the training that we do was the the coronavirus. It was when we we had the realization that like uh, this is a huge part of it, anyways. There are people here in here in the United States that are in areas that they have just lost their entire 
ability to interact with other people. They've lost community. They've lost... And a huge part of it was us saying, okay, can can we legally and responsibly stand something up where people can come out and be people again mm-hmm. and have this... And I remember the early courses, the early basic courses, people like they didn't know if they were going to need to wear a mask. They, they would, they, they were like, what, what's, what's the deal here? You, yeah. you know, like what, what's appropriate here? And, and from day one, we've been all about personal responsibility. If you get invited to this course, Hey man, if you want to wear a mask on the basic course, you go right ahead, but there are no requirements here. You know, and so us, I think that was one of the most powerful parts, the most powerful things that I'll remember for the rest of my life is knowing that we could provide a place for people to come, to train, to grow, an environment where people can be face-to-face, can uh, social distancing in the wilderness is actually dangerous. And, like, that was a big part of the genesis of that training, man. And... um I don't know. I, I just thought about that. I haven't thought about that in a long time. Uh, but so as far as like emotionally, mm. have you have you had to have you had struggles with with anger or any of that based off of what's going on in your community? I mean, ha, has that has has that ever crept in or, or frustration or whatever yeah. you call it? You know, maybe maybe a little bit. It's I feel like we're so far past that now. Yeah. Like even in our little community that we live and we moved to. Well, we moved out of the city. So that. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) So you guys made a move. We bought a house specifically outside of the city of Portland and outside of our County. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, it still is the Portland Metro area, but that says a lot. Yeah, Yeah, totally. How were you able to be that anchor for your family through the difficult time Tig? what, what was driving you? What were the the tools? Because you had, don't tell me you didn't have stress on you, knowing that you were the anchor for these people that needed you. I mean, what was that like day to day, man? Yeah, I, I don't, I don't know. I don't have a good answer for that. It wasn't, it wasn't anything that a conscious effort, really. Um, but I think I, in general, I tend to be that way to step up in times of, of trouble or, or need like several years ago, Angela fell down, well, stumbled down a flight of stairs and she fell and cracked her elbow pretty good. Probably needed stitches, but I don't think we went to the hospital, but, and I don't like blood necessarily. Like I'm not good around that sort of thing, but like I, I just sprung into action, you know, that, that sort of thing. It was just intrinsic mm-hmm. or somehow it's just step up when you need to step up. Mm-hmm. You know? I don't know if it's just a sixth sense if you know you need somebody needs your help and there's nobody else there. But sometimes I've thought, is it because I am pretty high strung and kind of a control freak? And so if I'm not if I don't need anything and I can like take care of myself and I then he doesn't have to step up. Yeah. I mean that's humbling to say, but I think there's some truth to that, that like, that was the, maybe the first time that I was like, ah, like I have no idea. Like, I don't know how to even carry this 
anxiety and this burden. And he like, it, it gave him the opportunity to like really be helpful to me in a way that I, we hadn't had that experience before. Mm-hmm. Um, and for my daughter too, at the same time, like we just, he was, came in and was strong for us. Um, and I'm so thankful for that. But that and that was before the basic course and stuff. So I think there was a lot of things like leading up to yeah. his experience at the basic course. But She didn't think I was going to go. <laughs> she asked me, she said, you really going to do that? Like, I don't know. You didn't, if you didn't think, I don't know what you I thought. Did, yeah, tell me about that, Angie. Well, he doesn't like to. I mean, Angie, my bad. <laughs> That's okay. He says he doesn't like to travel alone. Like all the unknown parts of it, like that is so out of his, like out of his character. Like he wants to know, like before we went to dinner last night, three days ago, he was read the menu, like knew what was structure. I went to listen to some old podcasts and heard Blake talk about how much he loved Blossom Hill. So shout out to Blossom Hill. Food was great. Yeah. Yeah. But he's like, here's what we're going to need. He plans it out. He's got stuff laid out. If we're going to the airport, he's like. Got, we're there two and a half hours early, even if we are going to sit at the gate for an hour and a half. Like, he is, that's the way he is. So for him to go on the basic course and not know exactly where he's going, for one, and, like, not have a lot of information about it, I was like, he is going to bail the day before. Like, he's going to be like, no, I don't know. I I have a cold. (laughs) Were you, what's up? I mean, how'd you... That being so out of your character, mm-hmm. Tig, I mean. Well, I think that was that was part of it. And this whole evolution and journey I'm kind of on, and not, I don't know how to explain it. The reinvent, not reinventing myself, but trying, I mean, trying new things, you know. Yeah. And my, my mantra for, for this year, if you will, is do hard things, you know. You got to step out of your comfort zone. That's That's where the growth happens. So when you step out of your comfort zone and you're doing new things and you're pushing yourself in whatever aspect that is physically or mentally, emotionally, you know, if you want, if you want to grow as a person, you've got to do things that are new and hard. You got to do hard things. Mm -hmm. So like, that's now my focus. So that, that was a beautiful first step into that, right? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Flying all the way to the East coast to do something. You didn't even know what it was going to be. Stepping off into the woods with seven other strangers. I, I think oh, that weekend, like maybe on Saturday night, I messaged Brooke on Instagram, which I barely, like I was searching Tiggs to find like, okay, what's Chad's wife's name again? And like, where, like, who is he even with? Like, yeah. and said like, can you just tell me what mountain they're on? Like, where are they at? Like, has anybody had to call in for a helicopter yet? Or <laughs> like, just cause I had a slight panic all of a sudden, like, but he came back in one piece. That's awesome, man. <laughs> I love hearing these stories. I don't these are the stories I don't ever get to hear. So um well dang man, this was an awesome conversation. I mean to hear just the the progression of your of your spiritual walk, Tig, to get to learn a little more about the details of that. Uh, I think there's a lot of wisdom in there and I think there's a lot of things that that are going to help people work through something similar to what you had to work through, man. Yeah. And I think in talking to Justin Chile yesterday, I think if 
if one person can take something away from this, if it can change one heart or one mind, then, then it's, it's all been worth it. You yeah. Know? And, and part of the reason I wanted to come here and, and do this in person, you know, as opposed to zoom or yeah. a phone call. And it just means the world to me. Well, it's, it's very, it's, it is very unique. I, I would challenge you to not hold back the aspects of your faith and, and your spiritual progress mm-hmm. with other people, man. Don't, don't hold back the fact that you, that you were looking at other religions. Don't hold back the fact that you were really only interested in the historical value mm-hmm. of the Bible and don't hold back the progress and, and what happened uh, through that progress and that process in your life, man, because mm-hmm. it's real. Yeah. It's real, and that's that's what we need more of. We need more real stories and real testimonies of like, hey, no, man, this is how it played out for me. And you're going to be able to, to pour into people that a lot of, a lot of us can't reach, man. Mm-hmm. And so don't hold back on that stuff, brother. Yeah, roger that. It's, it's special, man. It really is. Thanks. I would say, too, Tig, I, I mean, maybe part of it is, is holding back, but I think another part of the reason why people don't share things or maybe hold back and maybe unintentional and for me myself is if you don't take the time to go back and dissect it and actually pull out the lessons and put words to them, like I, I think you kind of see the value, but if you, my challenge to you and to both of you is to go back through your your story and, and really put words to the lessons that you learned in each situation so that you can, and that just comes with reps, but so that you can explain it to other people because I don't feel like you're the type of person to hold back because you, you think someone may not want to hear it or that it's not valuable because mm-hmm. of the stories I've heard where you tell them to stop spraying bleach on their groceries and <laughs> shut it down at Christmas. You're the kind of man that's going to stand up and say, well, this is this is, is what it is. And yeah. like it or leave it, this is what I think. But if you would spend the time to really dissect that, you got a lot of valuable stuff that's going to – if you don't do that, then you're doing a disservice to this whole generation right here. So it's it's worth taking the time yeah. to, to yeah. go through it. And same same for you, Ange. Yeah, we'll do. Yeah, Ange, and I'm glad you decided to sit in on this conversation. I did not know who you – I had no clue about you and your back intentionally. To be honest with you, uh, Blake can say what he wants. And I, and I told him yesterday that I didn't come to dinner because I couldn't get up and walk, but I could get up and walk. Well, not really. The, the reason I didn't come to dinner is because I love being able to sit down in this environment and learn about someone for the first time. I told him that last night. Okay. Yeah. I, I really do. And it was so cool to be able to meet you. I literally, we met at PT this morning, but I really met you for the first time sitting down and having this conversation. And that's really special, man. She almost didn't come to PT either. <laughs> I took like five times of saying, you should come to PT with us. Well, I thought like PT was like, I was mixing it up with PR. Like, you guys are going out to set some record and like, I'm going to go for a walk. Like, <laughs> like, so. Well, the track we were on this morning, <laughs> unless you're old spry chili over there, it's a hike. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I think one thing I 
did want to say too was that maybe because we're older, I mean, there's an impression maybe from my background or church and stuff like that you have to wait for some kind of calling to like do the thing, share your story, share your testimony, that you have to wait for some opportunity. And, you know, if you don't do that in your 30s or your 20s or whatever, like you missed it and and then what? So, okay, well, you just go on doing your life, but you don't mm. share it. And I feel really kind of convicted about that because like, I just don't think that's true. Like, you're right. Everyone has a story and it's valuable to someone and... It's valuable to more people than you think it is. Right. But that is, it's like being vulnerable in that way. You can't control like how someone else is going to receive it. And I'm like, mm-hmm. want to make sure it like looks like, let's tie it all up with a nice bow and make it look pretty. But like struggles aren't pretty. Like you go through stuff, you make mistakes. And it's like, sometimes you're climbing in the house, like puking after a big run. <laughs> like yeah, that's yeah. not the pretty stuff, but like, uh, that's the same for our spiritual lives. Like, you know, even going back to like a church girl marrying someone that's not a Christian. And that's like the biggest no of, yeah, you know, you're not supposed to do that. And I'm so thankful that by the grace of God, like he does, you know, take those things and make beauty out of them. Mm. You know, he, he turns things around for his glory. And I just, I feel like that's something that, we got to remember like yeah. One, yeah, a mistake, a, a mistake doesn't, uh, it's not your life. It's one thing mm-hmm. and you get to deal with that and then you get to move on and, and do something else. Yep. Um, yeah, that's time that it's never too late. You're truly your best day should be ahead of you always. Mm-hmm. Even if you're about to die, then look where you're going. It, your, tr- your best day should always be ahead. So if you're 50 years old and you think, man, I have just, squandered all my life away well it's time to turn it around and you've got right. these years lord willing left and turn it around you know mm-hmm. and also i want to say that so, somebody here just said that uh more it matters to more people than you think and if you knew how many people either look up to you or appreciate what you have to say you would share things with people more often how many times do you have a, a a good genuine true thought about somebody and you think it and you don't do anything with it you don't tell the person you don't call them you don't text them how often does that happen and how much more would that person do had they knew man i really look up to tig and and uh for him to send me this message it really means a lot to me in my day or week or whatever or maybe this thing i'm in or want to start now I'm going to do it because I know other people are paying attention to what I'm doing. And it's, it, I mean, I don't like the accountability buzzword, but essentially that can be what it is. And I mean, that's something that I used to do and got away from, but I'm trying to get back into now. It's a wasted thought. If you have a good genuine, you can't just can't be no bull crap. You can't say, Hey, I appreciate who you are, Tig. You got to be specific with the things you say, Mm -hmm. but it is worthwhile because people look up to you and value what, Anybody who's listening to this, there's somebody that's looking up to you. Mm-hmm. What and going back to what Ange said about how she kind of spoke to people that are more in their the middle of their life or maybe even 
on the back half of their life, usually when you there are so many people around that we can look at that when they reach that point in their life, the ruts that they're in are grooved so deeply. And they look up and they say, it's it's just not worth it to try to get out of this rut of, of who who I'm supposed to be. And, and so that's why they just, it's the easier path right. it, it, on the back half of your life. It's the easier path just to stay in that rut. I read something the other day that uh, I, I really like and I want to share with you guys and then we'll shut it down. Um, but I think it's, pertains to what Ange just said and this is a a writing by a guy named hunter s thompson i think he was a journalist i know fear and loathing mm-hmm. he was a he was a pretty uh looked like a pretty wild dude but this writing was really impacted me greatly it said let us visualize the secure man and by this term i mean the man who has settled for financial and personal security for his goal in life In general, he is a man who has pushed ambition and initiative aside and settled down, so to speak, in a boring but safe and comfortable rut for the rest of his life. His future is but an extension of his present, and he accepts it as such with a complacent shrug of his shoulders. His ideas and ideals are those of society in general, and he is accepted as a respectable but average and prosaic man. But is he a man? Has he any self-respect or pride in himself? How could he, when he has risked nothing and gained nothing? What does he think when he sees his youthful dreams of adventure, accomplishment, travel, and romance buried under the cloak of conformity? How does he feel when he realizes that he has barely tasted the meal of life? When he sees the prison he has made for himself in pursuit of the almighty dollar, If he thinks this is all well and good, fine. But think of the tragedy of a man who has sacrificed his freedom on the altar of security and wishes he could turn back the hands of time. A man is to be pitied who lacked the courage to accept the challenge of freedom and depart from the cushion of security and see life as it is instead of living secondhand. Life has passed this man by, and he has watched from a secure place, afraid to seek anything better. What has he done except sit and wait for tomorrow, which never comes? And so, listen to Ange today. If you, 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 I don't care where you are in life. I don't care where you are in your, your relationship with Christ, or where you are in in your, in your spiritual walk. Get out of that rut, man, and experience life for what it really is. And don't let your future simply be an extension of your present. That's good. Love you guys. You too. Enough said.